It's good to see everyone this morning. Thanks for filling in the, the front tables and the middle tables, Sam. Uh, I'm sure we have some extra handouts at some of these tables that are less densely populated. Um, does anybody not have a handout, or is anyone at a, at a table without handouts or note cards? There are also some handouts back there, uh, Caleb and, and Liana. Um, those are from the first two weeks, I think. They probably say week one, week two at the top. So I can bring back some, uh, some handouts for this week. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, from, for this week or last week? Oh, this week? Okay, yeah, that's for this week. Any, any other tables that are short from last or for the handout from this week? Okay, Pam, I'll get you some. Three. All right. There's a table. I'll take from this one over here. So yeah, if there's if anybody needs um, any more handouts, we'll make sure to get you some. If you need more note cards, if you want to leave a comment or question for after the class, then uh, we'll we'll make sure that we round up some of those as well. But um, we're ready to get started. Uh, before we get started too much, um, I have two copies of a basic guide to interpreting the Bible, playing by the rules. Um, I've been through the first edition, this second edition. I think there are some changes uh, for sure, but um, I'm not sure what all those changes are. But I found it very helpful uh, when I went through it the first time. Uh, some of the things that are in here include uh, rules and, and, and strategies for looking at biblical narratives, covenants and laws, poetry, psalms, proverbs, prophecy, uh, jargon and idioms, parables, hyperbole and exaggeration, uh, correspondence, meaning the epistles and letters, those kinds of things. Anybody interested in a copy of this? Not everybody. Okay, Kathy will take one. And Alicia? Great. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, John. So, we'll get started. So this was our proposed schedule, except that week three was supposed to just be interpretation. Uh, that ran a little bit long last week, so that's okay, because interpretation was supposed to spill into next week anyway. So we've just bumped a little bit of observation from last week into the beginning of this week's class. Uh, one thing that came out at the end of last week uh, not, not necessarily a question directly, but a question slash comment that, that was on a note card last week and then some follow-on discussion. Um, I had mentioned that it seemed like the author of Hebrews was working from the Septuagint. Uh, you can see that under the angels column here, LXX or Septuagint, um, that the author of Hebrews was working from that when, when quoting from Psalm 8.5, and um, that that might give us an indication that maybe angels is, is a good interpretation of the word Elohim in this verse. Um, when I said that, I was just trying to make a helpful comment. I wasn't in any way saying that, um, that uh, let's see, I think, I think someone read either from the King James or the New King James uh, to, to get to that uh, angels translation as we were looking at the different translations and how they render Elohim in that verse. Um, I, want, I didn't want to indicate that the King James 
is like the best translation or the only way to, to the best version that we have or something like that. So I, I know I didn't say that, but I didn't want anyone to come away with that idea. Um, so I, the purpose was just to look at different translations and see how they can render the same word in different ways and how looking at those different translations might help us see that um, maybe there are some other ways that we could look at this or should look at this, or maybe this is a word we should explore a little more carefully, um, realizing that different translators take it different ways. So I, I hope that's helpful and not more confusing, uh, but I just wanted to rewind a little bit, revisit that, and uh, hopefully bring some clarity there. Um, if you want to get into a discussion about, well, what is the best uh, translation or version, and you want to talk about Textus Receptus and authorized versions and all those kinds of things, I am not your guy. Uh, the reason that this, part of the reason that this is like a layman's uh, approach to studying the Bible is because I am myself a layman. Um, and so I'm not, that's not something that I've like dug deeply into or studied. And so, yeah, I just don't have the answers on, on that. So I just, just wanted to put that out there and, and hopefully that would be of some help. All right, so uh, last week we focused on observation continuing into that a little bit more this morning. And the last thing that we looked at was 1 Corinthians 8. And around the tables, we had looked at what might be the contextually critical terms. Uh, So as we focus on observation and we look at different terms or phrases that we might need to understand, um, maybe they're non-routine or they're just really important. In this case, Uh, The contextually critical ones, I give you a little definition. The words or phrases that are necessary to be able to summarize a passage. And so when we went through 1 Corinthians 8 at the tables, we we pulled on uh, several of these words talking about knowing or know or knowledge, um, conscience, weak, stumble, fall. Some of these were were repeated several times within the, the verses of that chapter. And so that's Uh, one component of looking at significant terms. So I just wanted to kind of uh, get a little bit of a running start from last week into this week. Uh, So you'd want to ensure that you understand the words that are required for understanding the basic idea to be able to summarize a, a particular passage. So contextually critical terms would be among that list. All right. Uh, Theologically profound terms, um, these are what some people might call Christianese, uh, meaning it's the language of Christians. It's it's the terminology that Christians are more familiar with than the general public. Uh, You might go out on the streets of Carlisle or Mechanicsburg or wherever, and these would be the terms that if you said, hey, put a microphone in somebody's face, um, can you define whatever, fill in the blank, and they might just say, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not familiar with that idea. I, I mean, in the church, hopefully we're more familiar, but even in our familiarity, they, they might be something we'd, we'd be tempted to just gloss over, saying, oh, yeah, I know what that means. I'm just going to keep reading this verse or, or just continue on with this passage without actually taking time to think about it. Or uh, it might be something that we see less frequently, and we might want to slow down, and say, okay, do I actually know what this word means? Or do I actually know what this means in this sentence? As we talked about before, it's not just about raw definitions that you'd find in a, in a dictionary, but it's important to look at these things in context. So here's, here's a, a short couple of verses from uh, the end of Romans 3. And there are several, several words in here that if you were to take any of them out onto the streets and, and just ask the general public, what does this mean? Uh, you would have a hard time getting a good definition, I think. And so these might be words that we should uh, also consider highlighting, underlining, flagging for further research and consideration. So could I have a volunteer to read this out loud? Joel, please, thanks. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, 
whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Thanks. So as you look at this, if I can find my marker, uh, what do you think are what we would consider theologically profound or Christianese uh, words, words that the general public is not going to understand or have a good working definition of? Molly. Justify. Justify. I think I heard propitiation, Pam, right? Any others? Any others? Sin. Righteousness. Grace. Faith. I think I missed one. Grace. Grace, thank you. Did I hear mercy? Okay. Somebody said pretty much the whole thing. Who who was that? <laughs> Jen? Yeah. And and the reason that this was chosen as an example is because it's just it's just full of all those kinds of things. I mean I think we could put Christ up here. Um Divine. Divine, yep, as yeah, divine. It's there. Uh sorry? Glory. But I, th- I think you guys get the point, right? I mean, there, there are a lot of things up there that you, you put these on a survey to the general public and uh, the, the, uh, the explanation or definition that you get in response is going to be different than, than what we might understand these things to be or what, what is truly meant uh, in God's word when, when these words are used. And these, are, of course, are, are English translations, so we're kind of one step removed already. But, but still, assuming that these capture the intent of the author accurately, um, yeah, I think we're going to have a hard time getting definitions. Yes, Erica. I was also thinking, like, some of those, like, we might even kind of know the word. Like, if you think of, like, redemption, like, you, I think of, like, you can redeem your coupons at the store. And, like, so you might have, like, a sense, but since it's, like, a theological term, like, even though you might know it, since you're not general public, you might not know the depth of the meaning right. as much as you think you do. Right. Like, like the phrasing. I think that's, right. like, even if you think you know, it might there might be more to be mined from the, the word than you thought. Yes. Yes, I agree. So if you couldn't... Could everyone hear Erica? Yeah, okay, got some nodding from the back, so I think we're good. But yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, and so if it's something that uh, we might be tempted to just, as I said, just kind of pass over um, or, or read surf in a surface-like way, then slowing down and considering, okay, do I actually understand these terms as they're intended? Um, that can be part of our observation for, for further study. So right now we're not, we're not getting to the point of interpretation and, and understanding what it means, but we're just kind of looking at the text to see, okay, what questions do I have? What terms do I need to understand when I, when I start digging into this to, to get the author's intent, the intended meaning out of it? And these, I think these are a lot of the things that, that you already identified, maybe 
There might be some additional ones up here that aren't highlighted up there. Uh, I don't know that there's anything up here that we don't have on the board. So, so good job. You, you guys get the, get the idea. All right. Um, so the next thing as part of observation, kind of understanding uh, where we want to look or where do we want to focus our attention uh, as we as we try to seek to understand and observe and, and focus on a, a part of the Bible. And so one way to do that is to kind of under, understand and identify boundaries um, of, of a text or of a passage or verse or, or whatever the case may be. So one of the things that we've, we've said, one of the things that we've said uh, a few times is the importance of context. Context is key, right? And we'll keep... Keep coming back to that. If you get probably just one thing out of this class, understanding the importance of context for interpreting scripture is, is probably at the top. Uh, that and understanding that we're, we're looking for the author's intent. I think those are probably, probably the, the, the two biggest things. So context is key. So the context of what? The verses... Uh, they exist within phrases, within sentences, within paragraphs, chapters, books, testaments, the Bible. Um, but both for realistic, like helpful purposes and also practical purposes, every time you want to look at a word and understand how it's used, you're probably not going to read the entire Bible um, to understand that word. And then move on to the next word or phrase and read the whole Bible again. You would, you, would, you would hardly ever get through like a paragraph doing something like that. Um, but there are uh, kind of these segments or passages and, and ways to kind of chunk, uh, chunk the Bible up a bit into more digestible portions. Um, so one of the things that uh, is... I, I don't want to diminish the importance of having a familiarity with the whole Bible, Certainly biblical literacy and understanding kind of what's going on throughout redemptive history, throughout the canon, at different points in time, uh, is going to be immensely helpful. So the more you're familiar with the Bible, the better it is that you'll understand it. And the more you understand it, the more familiar you'll be. And it just kind of spirals. Um, it's kind of like the, the verse, uh, Proverbs 4-7 came to mind, where, where we read, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. It sounds like this kind of circular thing. It's like, well, I'm just right back to where I started. And it's almost like the beginning of understanding the Bible is this, understand the Bible. Um, so as we get more familiar with it, uh, I think that that will help us understand other parts more, and we'll just kind of be able to go deeper into it as we, as we read through it and study it. All right, so here are some, uh, some of the ideas for capturing the most immediate context. There are initial markers, um, so understanding where, where we're moving on to a new topic, where we're moving on to a new event, where we're moving on to reading about new people in a new place in a new time, uh, where we're moving from um, dealing with one topic in a, in a letter or epistle to a new topic. Then also understanding where we've come to the end of that same kind of thing. Uh, maybe we could see a doxology or a benediction, some sort of concluding summary statement uh, that would help us know, okay, we've come to the end of a, of a, a section here. Um, so we can understand where these events are taking place or what the topic is that's being addressed as we look at these words and passages and so on. And then the last thing is an inclusio, uh, which is basically, I think of it as bookends. It's a kind of a pairing, a beginning and ending marker, uh, often based on a parallel phrase or subject matter. And so we'll look at some examples of these on the next slide. Uh, but as you seek to do this, I mean, don't, don't get too wrapped up if, if you can't find, okay, well, I don't know exactly where the beginning is and I don't know exactly where the ending is. And I would say error on, on the side of going too broad. Because uh, certainly, even if... Even if um, like if we're looking at 1 Corinthians and we see, okay, well, I, I see that Paul is dealing with a particular topic here to here, but this, I, I don't really know where this fits in. And you go searching and searching and you end up reading the whole, the whole book. 
Well, that's fine, because it was, it was an entire letter that Paul was sending to the church in Corinth. And he had a purpose for that. And if you read the beginning of 1 Corinthians, and he talks about there being divisions among the people. Some are following Peter, some Apollos, and, and so on and so forth. And you can kind of get the gist of what he's going for. That'll help you in those, those detailed passages later on, even if you don't know exactly where the beginning and ending is. So there's, there's benefit and help in this idea, but you, don't, don't be wor- too worried about it if, uh, if you can't seem to find those, those boundary markers. So for some examples, um, if we were to be reading through James, like there are p- several places where he moves on to like something new and he uh, kicks off with brethren and he, he just kind of does this a couple times throughout the book. Or as I said in 1 Corinthians, there are a number of places where Paul says, now concerning, and then he, he dives into a new topic. And so you can kind of see how uh, as we work through uh, the book, new topics are being addressed, and it's kind of obvious that a new topic is being addressed by how Paul is writing there. Uh, final markers, I mean, with Paul, you, you can see it in the doxologies and benedictions. Uh, in the Gospels, there are these summary statements. Let, let's, look at, uh, let's look at those, just so you can get a sense for what that actually looks like. Would someone read Matthew 4, 23 to 25, and someone else read John four fifty four? Okay, thanks, Michael. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Thanks. So it just kind of wraps up what was going on, not going into a whole lot of detail, but just kind of mentioning some other things that are that are kind of wrapping up the end of that section. Uh, somebody have John four fifty four. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed, having come from Judea to Galilee. Thanks. So again, just a quick summary ends the section before we move on to something else, a new setting, a new event, whatever the case may be. And then this idea of inclusios, this parallel phrasing that kind of serves as bookends, beginning and ending. Like you can see this with uh, Ecclesiastes 1, 2, and 12, 8. Could someone read those two verses? Erica? 1, 2. Right, so it's, it's basically the same idea. And as you can see there, like this, this section is almost the entire book. So it's, it's, these are the, the bookends, but it, it spans a very large section. It's not just like a paragraph, uh, but it's almost the entire book of Ecclesiastes. How about Genesis 1.1 and 2.1? Chase, thanks. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then 2-1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Thank you. And so um, sometimes we might see uh, how, how the way that our Bible translations are portioned, either with the uninspired like paragraph headings or the chapters and verses, sometimes that lines up really well. Uh, you can see some examples of that in 1 Corinthians where, okay, uh, chapter 7, verse 1 starts off a new topic, now concerning. Chapter 8, verse 1 starts off a new topic, now concerning. And, and it, it aligns nicely like that. Well, over here in Ecclesiastes, the, the section is almost the whole book, so that doesn't really align uh, with chapter verse so well. And Genesis 1, 1 through 2, 1, well, that spills into the next chapter. So just realizing that the chapters were added, chapters and verses and, and the 
paragraph breaks and some of those kinds of things. Those are added after the fact. And sometimes they're really helpful and they align well with the, the, the passages and the topics and that kind of thing. But sometimes something spills over into a new chapter and goes a verse or several verses or it's several chapters and the, the way that it's broken up might be misleading um, if you're expecting it to tell you, okay, this is how I should focus on this. Like, this is the whole idea, this one verse. Or this is the whole idea, this one... Uh, this one chapter. So just kind of having some of those kinds of things in mind uh, might help us as we, as we kind of go through that. So those are the main parts of observation that I wanted to touch on. Certainly there's a lot more that we could have looked at. We could have gone deeper into some of these things. But uh, again, just kind of looking at how to break it up, um, what words and phrases we could focus on that might jump out, some questions that might come to mind and stir us to, to dig into these things, answering things like the, the why, what, where, how, um, when, the, answering all those, and then and digging deeper into some of our other curiosities and, and things that come to mind. Any comments or questions about observation um, or things that people might want to share from like, their own personal experience if they've done this sort of thing? Uh, before. Erica. I, um, in my experience, observation takes the longest hmm. and like is almost inexhaustible. Like you could almost go on forever. I think, in, at least in my experience, but like it's really not a lost effort because like when you're saying like if you want to learn the Bible, learn the Bible. Like as you're observing the text, you're just basically saturating yourself in, in the Bible. Cross-references, expanding like going deeper, and so like it, it often takes the longest, but like good observation is like how you'll produce good interpretation. And unless you interpret it right, you're probably gonna get here. But like anyhow, just it's it takes a long, it can take a long time, but it doesn't have to. Like you can kind of go as deep as time allows. But that's just my experience. Yeah, yeah, good comment, Chuck. Uh, also, listening, uh, <clears throat> observing with your ears. Um, hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Just um, exposing your your senses to to more more ways, more opportunities to catch some of the things that are in the text. Yeah, that's a good point. Thanks, Chuck. Okay. So we will move on to interpretation. Um, the things we'll cover in interpretation are word studies. Again, looking at context, because we're not going to leave that behind. Uh, we'll look at correlation between passages and verses and some tools for consultation, some ways we can get some additional help uh, before we move on to application. Uh, the last two we'll obviously look at next week. All right, so as we think about word studies... Uh, we might think, okay, well, which words? Which, which words are we going to study? Well, hopefully, uh, the, the previous section that we covered in observation kind of gives you a sense of some of the words that we might want to study and look into. Uh, words that are used repeatedly. We, we heard about that. Words that are needed to understand the, the context. Words that are um, not well understood because of either their infrequency or the kind of word it is or that it's theologically profound, that, that kind of thing. Um, words that might be uncertain, like you might notice that as you're reading, uh, there might be like a, a number by a particular word. And then down in the, in the margin of your Bible, it's, it gives like an alternative uh, translation of that word. It's like, well, we think this is the best word, but it might also mean this word. And so you might see that and think, oh, well, the translators of, of this, uh, this version of the Bible had a little bit of a hard time picking, uh, at least to the extent that they thought they should notify me, um, the reader, that there's, there could be a, a different way to understand this. Maybe this is a word I could look into a little bit more. Uh, figures of speech, metaphors, similes, some of those kinds of things uh, that are just uh, maybe a little less um, well understood as we, as we read. 
those might be words that stand out that we need some additional help with. Uh, so what, what is it uh, about those words? What are we going to study and what are we going to do with them? Well, <clears throat> what, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to look at them in the original language <clears throat> rather than just looking them up in an English dictionary. I mean, yes, you, can, you could look up justify uh, in an English dictionary. You could look up redemption or redeem in an English dictionary. But then we, we just heard about how you, you might come across like what it means to redeem a coupon. And that's not going to help you. So uh, there might be a particular word in the Greek, let's say, that has a particular meaning, and certainly it has a particular meaning in that particular uh, phrase and context. And so that's what we want to get to. And so we don't want to just flip open uh, Merriam-Webster and say, oh, okay, well, now I know what it means to redeem something. Uh, so we're going to look at it in the original language. We're going to figure out what it could mean. But then we don't want to stop there. We want to find out what it does mean in that phrase, in that verse, how the author intends for it to be used. So that's just kind of what we're going to work our way through. Uh, we'll look at some tools on how to do this, and we'll also look at some uh, potential pitfalls, errors, uh, ditches on each side of the road that we could kind of stumble into. All right. So for, for an example, this is uh, likely a very familiar verse. A wonderful verse. Um, let's tell you what. Let's let's all read it together, and let's think about what's really on here. Uh, so many times, I mean, how how quickly can we just rattle this off without it even going through our minds? Let's, as a class, we'll read it out loud together, and then b before we get into the example, just let it kind of slowly sit in your mind. Okay, here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He gave his only Son, that those who believe would have eternal life. I mean, what a gift. That is good news. Okay. But we're going to use this as our, as our example. <clears throat> so let's say you're reading through John 3. You come to this. It's like, okay, familiar verse. I, I think I know what this means. But maybe you think, okay, well, well world. Um, what does it mean by world? God so loved the world. And so maybe you think, okay, well, that, that's a word I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle or I'm going to underline or I'm going to highlight here. Um, and, and maybe you started at the beginning of John, and John uses world a whole bunch of times. And so maybe you've marked that along the way. You say, oh, well, John uses this word world a, a bunch of times. Maybe I should actually kind of look into this. I'm seeing it as a repeated, uh, repeated word or theme. And so uh, what we're going to do at our tables is we're going to look into, all right, well, what is world? Uh, what is it? What could it mean? And then the idea is, is that we'd figure out what it does mean here. Uh, by the end of the class. So uh, thankfully we have a, a good chunk of time, so I don't want us to, to rush. But the first thing we want to do uh, as, let's see, can I go back? Never tried to go backwards. Oh, look at that, I can go backwards. Um, so under the tools, uh, something that I like to use, my preference, whatever, uh, there are other resources out there. To get to the original language, I, I like the interlinear um, version of the Bible in BibleHub.com. Maybe you have a different resource. Maybe you like to just go straight to uh, concordance. But you can kind of see it there in the interlinear. Uh, the English translation and the Greek or Hebrew just kind of side by side. I, I just kind of like that. Um, and then it, you can link to the concordance to see uh, where else this word in the original language is used. Or where else uh, the, the Greek word or the Hebrew word or whatever the case may be, Aramaic, uh, is used elsewhere. So we'll take a little break from this. Oh, I thought I saw a hand. No, I guess I don't. And so this is Bible Hub. Um, I mean, you can select from the drop-downs up here and do chapter and verse that way, or you can just type it in here. It's actually pretty intuitive. You can use abbreviations and it still knows what you're talking about. 
Uh, and then I, I realized that I have a touch screen, and so if I'm just touching things, you actually don't know what I'm, you might not want, know what I'm doing, so I should probably use the cursor. So right here is interlinear, interlin. All right, so here's John 3.16 with English right next to Greek. I don't know Greek. Uh, and it has the transliterations as well, so if you have a sense for, okay, here we are with world. Uh, thus, uh, so this isn't ESV, obviously, but um, so God, thus for loved God the world. So the, the Greek reads in, in a different order than we would phrase things in English. So it, it could be kind of choppy if you try to read it this way, but that's fine because that's the order that, that it's in in Greek. And if you pull up something from the Old Testament and it's in Hebrew, then you're going to read right to left. The, the English words are still read left to right, but uh, you're going to start in, in chunks and phrases from the right-hand side of the, of the web page moving left. So that's just kind of a little, uh, a little different than what we're used to, but it, it's not that complicated if you look at it. So here we have world, which looks like this in Greek. And uh, here's the transliteration. Um, and then if you go to this number up here, this will take you to a concordance. So if you click on the number, and you, you find out that, okay, well, this is uh, Cosmos. I don't know why there are ads. There we go. And over here, uh, on the right-hand side, you have uh, a concordance. And you can have all the, all the places that this word appears, this Greek word appears in the New Testament. So, I mean, starting with Matthew, you can see over and over and over again. And then Mark, over and over and over again. And we'll get to this stuff on the left uh, in a little bit. But first, we're, we're focusing on concordance. So if you had a, a concordance at home, then you could look up this word, find the right corresponding number, find all the places that Cosmos is used, and do basically the same thing. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to find out, again, uh, we found out what the word is in the original language. Now we want to find out what it could mean in John 3.16. Um, and so what you could do is, I don't know if it gives a number at the top. Actually, maybe it's at the bottom. Okay, so... In Strong's Greek Concordance, this, this word, uh, represented by number 289 right here, appears 186 times. So you could look at all 186 verses, and you could say, okay, I'm going to read all those instances, those uses of the word world, and I'm going to build a, a list of what this word could mean. And then I'm going to take that back to John 3.16 and see which one fits with that particular usage. And that's basically what some of these other tools that we'll get to, lexicons and dictionaries and whatnot, are, are doing. Um, but that's, if you wanted to just start from scratch and, and do all the work yourself, that's what you could do. Now, I've, um, I've selected some representative uh, verses that have world or cosmos used different ways. And so at your tables, I'm going to give you some time. Let's see. I think I have it on here. There. There. There we go. Go back to this. All right. So from among those uh, concordance uh, references, other places that cosmos is used in the New Testament, here are, here are some different ways that cosmos is used. Uh, you'll see world in these verses. So at your tables, I'd like you to look at these uh, five passages, look at how the word world is used. Maybe you'll need to go a little bit broader than just this verse to get a sense for how it's used. But see if you can figure out what the definition of world or cosmos is in each of these verses. And you have about 10 minutes. Um, obviously at home, as Erica said, like you can spend as much time doing, doing these kinds of things as, as time allows. But for the, the, the sake of some practice here, we're, we're limited to the constraints of the class. So about 10 minutes, uh, what does world mean in each of these verses?
How's it going over here? Wow, you guys are all done. Efficient. You won't get kicked out or flunked or anything. You won't have to repeat if, if you don't. Like world like, only, like other than cosmos, because obviously here it's like different uses of the same. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, like, is there a different world for maybe Earth? Yeah. Uh, 
Yes. Yes, I think there is. I think there is. I'm trying to think of it. I mean, I know I've heard Cosmos before, but I'm trying to think of other ones. Yeah. Where, like, you know, if, if he's writing it in Greek, you know, what else could he, could he pull from that he didn't? Mm. Like, other than Cosmos. Yeah. Yeah. Any other word. It, yeah, I don't remember if if this is always translated world, but in all these verses, uh, it's cosmos, and I think it's translated as world. At least in the ESV, I think it's always world. I guess if you could do actually this is the thing if you did like the reverse, where you look up all the times. In this case, the English word world is used. Would you always see cosmos? Which, yeah, would you always yeah. see cosmos over the other? Right, right, right. Yeah, maybe not. How's it going? Looks like you're making some good progress. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep, I can I can understand that. Going pretty well here? Yeah. Looks like you have Nice. Nice. That's what I like to hear. Making some good progress? Making some progress? Okay. How's it going? What's up? Nice. About uh, about one more minute. Is that coming? Is that coming through the the speakers? No. Is it coming through? Okay, there we go. All right. Okay, so hopefully, uh, hopefully, even if you didn't get through all of them, hopefully you got through some of them. Uh, at least got your minds kind of going along this certain track of okay. Well, here's a word that is used other places, and um, and maybe it doesn't mean the same thing in all circumstances. Um, we, we experience this in English all the time. There, there are words that, that we can use a, a bunch of different ways. Um, you could talk about uh, bearing, bearing someone's burdens, and then you could talk about a bear that's chasing after you in the woods. And just because it's the same word doesn't mean it means the same thing in all circumstances. Uh, we would understand that by the context that it's used in. And so uh, the same thing happens in other languages as well. And so as we look at world translated cosmos or 
actually the other way around, cosmos translated into world, going back to cosmos and how is that used in other places. Um, so what, uh, let's, let's go through these and we'll see kind of some of the sense of, of what people had for the usage of cosmos in these different passages to get a sense for what John, the world in John 3.16, cosmos in John 3.16 could mean. We're not getting to what it does mean yet. What could it mean? Uh, John 1.10. Anybody want to want to volunteer what they they think cosmos or world means there? Ham. Created world and people. Anybody want to add something additional or something different? You would say specifically unbelieving people. Unbelieving people? Unbelievers. John? Same? Okay. Who was who thinking along these lines? Created world and or the people. Okay, a bunch. Okay, so limited to created world. Well, which includes everybody. All of creation. All of creation. Created order. Okay, so some some slight variations here. Uh, we have all of creation, created order, the world, the world and the people, unbelievers specifically. Okay, so some. Some divergence of thought there. How about Acts 17? Whoa. Created world. <laughs> Created world here. Anything additional or different? Anyone else? Okay. Seems like you guys agree with that. All right. Um, 1 John 3, 1. Bennett. I heard a yep from Clyde. He agrees. Anyone else? Additional or disagreement? Okay. Either, Either you guys didn't get to it or everybody agrees with unbelievers. Okay, uh, 1 John 3.17. Earthly, temporal, possessions. Anything additional, anything different from anyone else? Okay. And lastly, James 3.6. Multitude? Who said multitude? Bennett? It's it's a kind of a different uh, different or difficult idea to kind of take to capture um, an entity. A category, okay. A large quantity. Large quantity. It kind of goes with multitude, similar idea. Yes, Pastor Matt. Yep. Is a way of saying, like, wait, is that like all people trouble or like just believer trouble? No, we just mean we're in a lot of trouble. So right. Large quantity idea. I'm not saying world of trouble is the same as world of unrighteousness, but it just can help kind of open up a new right. uh, little bit of a little more of a view. Yeah. Of what might be meant. Yeah. And, and there are definitely times where 
phrasing uh, has some similarities with how we use things in English, and sometimes it's very different. Um, so yeah, that that can can be a help. Uh, so let's um, so. Assuming these are right, and that's maybe a big assumption because some of these are actually kind of diverging, diverging views. Like unbelievers would be a subset of all the people in the world, and and the the, the people are different than the world itself, and and, and so on and so forth. Um, it seems like there was some pretty good agreement on First uh, John three seventeen, James three six. Actually, all of them except for the first one. That that actually seems to be about the only place where there was some differing opinion. Um, so if we were, if we didn't have any resources, this is something we could do. Thankfully, we have some resources that can help us out. So if we went back to, um, went back to Bible Hub, all this stuff on the left-hand column now is a lexicon. And so this will tell you, uh, based on someone else's research, so we're getting a few steps removed. I mean, we had the original language, and then we went to uh, English, and then we thought, how is it used? And now this person and their research, or this team and their research is saying, okay, these are the ways it's used. But if you didn't, if you didn't do this, and you just skipped this part, and you went to the lexicon, it could tell you, okay, well, one way it's used uh, in Greek writing, so this doesn't have any, number one here, doesn't have any, um, like parallel passages, like you, you, you don't find uh, cosmos used anywhere else in, in the New Testament in this way. But it's saying, okay, an apt or harmonious arrangement or constitution. That I don't know if there's a space supposed to be there, I, or oh maybe it's like or derivative or something like that. Uh, and there's just an abbreviation that I don't actually understand. Um, it could be ornament, decoration, or adornment. I didn't give you First Peter three three. Uh, it's talking about how a woman dresses. I thought that would throw you like way off the trail, so I didn't want to go down that road. Uh, the world or the universe. Okay, we had that kind of idea in the created order, created world, uh, the circle of the earth, the earth, the inhabitants. So all the people. We had that idea. Um, the ungodly. Uh, the the mass of, of men alienated from God, we had that idea, unbelievers. Uh, worldly affairs, the aggregate of things earthly, the whole circle of earthly goods, endowments, riches, advantages, pleasures, and so on and so forth. We had that here, earthly and temporal possessions. Um, an aggregate or general collection of particular uh, of particulars of any sort. Um, and we had that here, multitude, entity, category, quantity, large, large quantity. So... In several ways, we got to uh, many of the same definitions that you would have found in the lexicon. It's just that we did the work instead of just skipping to the lexicon. Um, so what you could do is you could say, I'm reading through John 3. Here's John 3.16. Here's world. And what does world mean? Okay, well, I could do it this way and do the work myself. Or look it up in a concordance and look at the way it's used in other passages. Or I could go to a lexicon and say, okay, these are the ways it's used. Or, so we're increasingly skipping steps, or we're backtracking and checking our work. You can also go to, uh, up here, there's just like a word help or a definition, a dictionary kind of thing. And so here, when you get to a dictionary definition, someone has done all this work. Someone has done where else is it used, how else is it used, what could it mean, what does it mean? And then they're just telling you. Well, that's, that's basically what you have already in the English translation, is what somebody is telling you cosmos means in, um, in John 3.16. Except that in some instances, that's really specific. In some instances, like world, it's less specific. And you might still be scratching your head thinking, well, what does word mean, he, world mean here? So, um, in... If you went with the lexicon, it seems like John, what I was kind of more focused on for John 10 was more like just all the people. So we have people, created world, unbelievers, uh, temporal possessions, the, the category. And so in, let me flip back. 
Flipping back to um, John 3.16, what does world mean here? If you had to choose one of these, the people, the created world, unbelievers, temporal possessions, or a category of something, what would you pick for what world means here when John's writing? The elect. Okay. Erica? Which would be everyone. All people need to be saved. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm just trying to... Yeah, no. I, oh. yeah I think that that's probably what I would pick. All the people? Mm-hmm. Okay. Molly? I, that's what I think. People? I Joel? I'm going to go created world. Created world? Like including the, the, the dirt? Yep. Okay. Anyone else? So you're saying that those who believe in him are the world here. Okay. Okay. All right, so there's some divergence of thought. So it's, it's interesting that as we if, we, if we think that like the lexicon is right and it captures all the actual uses of cosmos, then it seems like nowhere else is cosmos used to, in a way that specifies only believers? So, I would think, but, but uh, I think she left already. But Pam and, I mean, others are, are pulling from the context here where we're talking about whoever believes. Like there's a specific... Uh, God did something for people that whoever believes would have eternal life. And so since we're talking about people, I would lean towards the people that God's created. The inhabitants, the human race, that, that kind of thing. But people are, are free to disagree. But as we kind of work through this, this is some of the kinds of things we would work towards to understand what world means. Bob. Um, scripture talks about God, uh, uh, the, the creation of money um, as well. So, and God loves his creation, not just people of the um, So I, I can see where they could as well be all, all the creation. Yeah. Yeah, right. And, and certainly, just while it's true that God loves his creation, it was created, it was good, while it's true that God loves the elect, especially, specifically, while it's true, like, there are all these kinds of things that we could say that are true, and while they inform what we understand about this, we also want to understand what this means, particularly right here. And we don't want to use it to say something that's true elsewhere, that's still true. I'm not saying, like, w- whatever the case may be, that, um, that just because it's not said here doesn't mean it's not true. It could be true somewhere else and still be true, as long as we don't have a conflict that, like, one uh, is, is pitted against the other. So I really thought we'd get everything in today just didn't happen, but good discussion, good, good table discussion and involvement. Um, let's pray and, and we'll dismiss and we'll just touch on one thing next week uh, that's left over. Heavenly Father, thank you again for uh, your word. Thank you for um, condescending to our uh, level of, of comprehension and our language, which you've given us anyway. And uh, for revealing yourself and your plan and uh, what, you, what you desire for us to do uh, in your word. God, I ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and minds to comprehend and, and soft hearts to receive it and be changed. God, thank you for your word and thank you for your love.
God, help us to know you better through your word and worship you accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen.